Good morning. Thank you for joining us for this Monday edition of Face the Truth, the weekday podcast of the Truth Church of Olathe, Kansas. Interestingly, today is the 27th day of April, and this is our 27th episode for this podcast. Not that that makes it any more significant, it's just one of those fun facts I thought some of you might enjoy knowing. As always, I count it a great honor to have you listening. I trust that today's episode will be a blessing to everyone who tunes in. Last week, I started taking some time to simply answer the questions of our listeners. Some of you have already submitted some questions, but if you have not done so, please get those questions to me via text, email, phone call. You can message me on social media uh, with your Bible questions. I want to get right into the question of the day. And yes, I did say question singular. Although I was able to deal with two questions the first two days that I did this, uh, two questions per episode, I should say, I have again found myself trying to answer a question which will take far too long to deal with properly uh, that I simply won't have time to address a second one today. So we're going to begin with today's question. The question is this. The Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. If King Solomon was the wisest man that ever lived, how did he get to the place where he was worshiping idols and not fearing God? Well, let me just say this is an excellent question. Uh, I just hope that my answer can be half as excellent. Um, Before I provide an answer, however, I want to establish the fact that the three things that you've stated here are indeed true based on the Bible. First, you're correct that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. This is stated a number of times in several different verses for the sake of brevity I'm going to provide just one. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10 says simply, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. Second, you're correct. Solomon was considered the wisest man outside of Jesus Christ, of course. Um, Now, we do know that this wisdom was a gift from God. The Lord had presented Solomon with the opportunity to ask for anything, and Solomon asked for wisdom. The request pleased God, and God gave him wisdom and so much more. 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 5, In Gibeon the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Ask what I shall give thee. We skip down to verse 9, Give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people, that I may discern between good and bad. For who is able to judge this thy so great a people? And the speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. And God said unto him, Because thou hast asked this thing, and hast not asked for thyself long life, neither hast asked riches for thyself, nor hast asked the life of thine enemies, but hast asked for thyself understanding to discern judgment, behold, I have done according to thy words. Lo, I have given thee a wise 
and an understanding heart, so that there was none like thee before thee, neither after thee shall any arise like unto thee. And I have also given thee that which thou hast not asked, both riches and honor, so that there shall not be any among the kings like unto thee all thy days. So third, it's also true that in the end of his life, Solomon had turned to worshiping idols. We find this fact stated in the book of 1 Kings. 1 Kings chapter 11, verses 5 through 7, For Solomon went after Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Zidonians, and after Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. And Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord, and went not fully after the Lord, as did David his father. Then did Solomon build a high place for Chemosh, the abomination of Moab, in the hill that is before Jerusalem, and for Molech, the abomination of the children of Ammon. And so now that we've established that you are correct on all three counts, how do we rectify the fact that this wise man lost his fear of God and turned to idolatry when the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom? Well, there are a couple of reasons that I want to point out. Do you remember what Proverbs 9 and 10 says? It says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. One translation renders it this way. The fear of the Lord is the start of wisdom. Another says the fear of the Lord is where wisdom begins. Remember, it was Solomon's fear of, which really means to have a reverential respect for God, that caused him to ask God for wisdom in the first place. And God granted it accordingly. Because Solomon feared the Lord, God gave him this wisdom. Now, the next thing that you need to realize is that even when a person has wisdom, that doesn't mean they always use it. Let's think about this. How many times have each of us known better than to do certain things? We knew full well what the consequences might be, but we went ahead and, as we've said, we went against our better judgment, regardless of those consequences. Well, that's exactly what Solomon did. Yes, Solomon had wisdom, and in his wisdom, he knew better than to take certain actions, but he convinced himself that it was in his own best interest. This is what would help him. Obviously, it's what he wanted. He wanted to do something that would become his downfall. Now, what was this thing that led him astray? Well, let's let the Bible answer that question. A few moments ago, I read from 1 Kings chapter 5, where Solomon turned to idols. Now, what I want to do is to go back and read those verses again, but I want to read a few preceding verses and a few succeeding verses. So follow with me as, as we get back to these verses of Scripture that point out how that Solomon turned to idolatry. Listen closely to what the Scripture says. 1 Kings chapter 11, beginning now with verse 1. But King Solomon loved many strange women, together with the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, 
Edomites, Zidonians, and Hittites, of the nations concerning which the Lord said unto the children of Israel, You shall not go into them, neither shall they come in unto you. For surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. Solomon clave unto these in love. Now, I hope that you got that. Solomon loved many strange women, verse 1 says. Verse 2 tells us the Lord had already told Israel, if you do this, they're going to turn your hearts to idolatry. So let's read on. Verse number 3, he had 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines, and his wives turned away his heart. For it came to pass when Solomon was old that his wives turned away his heart after other gods. And his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God, as was the heart of David his father. For Solomon went after Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Zidonians, and after Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. And Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord and went not fully after the Lord, as did David his father. Now, those verses we read a while ago, let's continue reading. Then did Solomon build an high place for Chemosh, the abomination of Moab, in the hill that is before Jerusalem, and for Molech, the abomination of the children of Ammon. And likewise did he for all his strange wives, which burnt incense and sacrificed unto their gods." The reason Solomon went into idolatry really had nothing to do with his wisdom or lack thereof. Yes, he was a wise man. Yes, in the beginning he feared God. But this was not about wisdom. It was about the relationships that he developed with the wrong people. I cannot stress strongly enough the danger of becoming yoked together with unbelievers. Paul warned the New Testament church about this very thing. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 14 through 18, Paul said, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them, and will walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. So I hope you caught that. Paul, writing to the New Testament church, says, don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. The two things don't mix. Righteousness and unrighteousness, communion, uh, what communion hath light with darkness, what concord hath Christ with Belial, what part has a believer with an infidel. He says, you're the temple of God, and why would you mix the temple of God with idols? So Paul makes it very, very clear that, that the kinds of relationships that we develop can be extremely detrimental 
to our walk with God. Now listen, this was not the first time that Paul had written to this church about this very subject. In his first letter to Corinth, he had addressed it as well. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33, listen to this. Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. Now I know that doesn't sound from the King James, like what we're talking about. But let me tell you, the word communications here, according to one commentary, actually means being together, companionship, close contact. Because of that, another translation renders the verse this way, don't fool yourselves, bad friends will destroy you. You know, as a pastor for so many years now, in fact, I've been a pastor longer than I was not a pastor. Started pastoring at 24, and I'm now 60. I've seen many situations in which good, godly people developed close friendships with rebellious, disgruntled individuals. And honestly, I can't think of a single time that the good people influenced the disgruntled. It always seems to work the opposite way. Of course, that shouldn't surprise us because that's exactly what Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, said was going to happen. I've seen young people develop close friendships with sinners only to eventually turn their backs on the church. Tragically, I've watched good apostolic young people fall in love with sinners, thinking that they could win them to God, but it doesn't work. It can't work. God has already declared that it's wrong, and He will not go against His Word. Let me encourage you to do something. If you're constantly struggling just to hang on and living for God, why don't you make a close examination of your friendships? See who you're connected to. See who you're following on social media. Now, I'm, I'm not telling you to develop a holier-than-thou attitude. I'm telling you to develop an I-don't-want-my-good-behavior-to-be-corrupted-by-bad-friends attitude. And before anyone says, well, I don't want to hurt their feelings because I care about them, I ask you, don't you think that was the kind of reasoning that led Solomon to go against his God-given wisdom and give in to idol worship? Think about it. He loved his strange wives. He didn't want to hurt their feelings, and so he gave in against the wisdom God had imparted to him. He went against that to try to maintain a relationship with the ungodly. And sadly, this was a clear indication that his love for his wives was greater than his love for God. Saints, this is the reason your church family is so vitally important to you. Developing and maintaining good Godly relationships is absolutely essential in our walk with God. We are members of the same body, and as such, we are literally dependent 
on one another. We cannot survive spiritually without the other members. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 16 tells us this, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working in the measure of every part maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Now, if that sounds a bit confusing, let me read it to you from a couple of other translations. One says, he makes the whole body fit together and unites it through the support of every joint. As each and every part does its job, he makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Another translation reads this way, from him the whole body is fitted and held together by every supporting ligament. The proper working of each individual part produces the body's growth for building itself up in love. I'm telling you today that we need one another because we are supplying to each other things that are vital in our Christian development. Hezekiah Walker wrote a song. We've sung it at the Truth Church. It says, I need you. You need me. We're all a part of God's body. Stand with me. Agree with me. We're all a part of God's body. It is his will that every need be supplied. You are important to me. I need you to survive. You are important to me. I need you to survive. I pray for you. You pray for me. I love you. I need you to survive. I won't harm you with words from my mouth. I love you. I need you to survive. It is his will that every need be supplied. You are important to me. I need you to survive. Yes, my brothers and sisters, we truly need one another. Let us bind together as never before so that the body can receive all the nourishment it needs. That way, when we finally come out of this time of lockdown, we're going to come forth stronger, better, more unified, more empowered, and more glorious than ever before. Once again, thank you for joining us today. Please let me remind you that we are here to help you in any way we can. If you need anything, please don't hesitate to contact us. Continue to send your prayer report or prayer requests in to prayer at olathatruth.com, prayer at olathatruth.com. Dot com. Until next time, take care and God bless.